Welcome to Keystone Education Radio, the podcast for all things focused on education in Pennsylvania. Now here's your host, Annette Gray. I'm here with Dr. Terry Madonna. He is the director of the Center for Politics and Public Affairs at Franklin and Marshall College. He is a professor of public affairs and the director of the Franklin and Marshall College Poll. He's also the host of Pennsylvania Newsmakers, a weekly statewide news and commentary program. He writes, along with Michael Young, a bi-weekly political commentary column called Politically Uncorrected. Welcome, Dr. Madonna. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. So how is public education different in 2018 within the confines of the political landscape than it was in, let's say, 2000 at the start of this millennial? Well, I don't think there's any doubt that for the longest period of time in Pennsylvania, particularly after the election of Governor Corbett, right. Tom Corbett in 2010, up to 2014, 15, and even into 2016, education was one of the top issues in the state. In fact, in a number of polls, including the Franklin and Marshall College poll, in that period, it was the number one issue okay. that voters wanted addressed. The fundamental problem was the debate over during Governor Corbett's four years about cuts to uh, the education budget in this state, the debate about in the legislature about how much money should be appropriated to the schools, public schools, how much was being you know, wisely spent or not wisely spent. And that debate went on and on and on and on. And it's only been in the last year or two years that that debate has subsided as okay. during the uh, tenure of Governor Wolf, uh, education spending has increased. In fact, in the current budget, uh, almost a 3% increase, almost a 3% increase, $33 billion budget, a billion dollars in new money for the schools in the, in the, you know, the yeah. 500 school districts. Yep. And, also, money, additional monies were appropriated for special education and other education programs in the state. So make no mistake about it, education, it still remains an important issue. It's not number one anymore, but it's certainly up in the top five issues and, and probably will remain there for some time. What do you think is number one? Well, I think at the moment it's probably health care. Okay. Uh, there's a big, big debate about uh, Democrats arguing that in some cases they want Medicare for all, translation a single payer. They certainly don't want to see the repeal and the replace of the Affordable Care Act. Many Republicans, not all, want to uh, get rid of the repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act. Uh, That debate continues to be an important element in important elections in this state, particularly for the United States Senate and for congressional elections, where you would expect to find that debate because it's more more than not a federal issue. Yeah, And yeah. so we're gonna have to see. Now the premiums for the Affordable Care Act have risen, risen beginning in 2014 until the projection for next year is they will actually go down by a little more than one percent. Okay. So, and the other aspect of it, when the Affordable Care Act was passed in 2010, it was very unpopular and contributed to the rise of the Tea Party. But as you and I, as we chat right now, 
in some of the polls, it's 50% approval, 50% of the voters in our country uh, believe that the Affordable Care Act is doing a good job. Hmm. Okay. Now, with the election coming up, so you mentioned Governor Wolf. You have any predictions for that November election? Well, let me just state some of the fundamentals in the race. As mm -hmm. we speak, Governor Wolf holds a 16.5% advantage over Scott Wagner. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the average of the polls. These are the independent polls done in this, done in this state by uh, a bunch of colleges, Suffolk, Marist, Muhlenberg, Franklin and Marshall. Okay. And I'll put it this way. I don't know any time where three weeks before an election, now even less than three weeks, somebody had a 16 and a half point lead and, and lost. Right. I'm not predicting the election outcome. Right. I don't do predictions, but given the size of that majority sure. and given Scott Wagner's difficulties over the last week or so with some of his public comments, the bottom line is that it's going to be very, very tough for uh, Scott Wagner to figure out a way in mm -hmm. two and a half weeks or so left in, until November 6th to uh, defeat Governor Wolf. Do you think those recent uh, comments, the difficulties around that past few weeks, do you think that that made a big difference in that Probably not. Gap. I think what happened is it solidified. Governor Wolf, for the last almost three weeks now, has had the 16 and a half point lead. Okay. Uh, the Muhlenberg poll about a month ago had him up by 19 percentage points. The Franklin mm -hmm. Marshall College poll had Governor Wolf up by 22. It's all what we call margin of error stuff okay. in the polls. So uh, I think what basically the statement that that Scott Wagner made about having Governor Wolf wear a catcher's mask so he could stomp on his face with uh, right. golf cleats, yeah, it was kind of golf spikes. Extreme. He had to withdraw that comment, take it down from the video on Facebook, and you even have some Republicans who are happy that he's withdrawn that comment and have, right. have parsed words about it. So basically, here's the fundamental problem, and this is not tough. If you want to defeat an incumbent, you have to give the voters a reason to say, you're out, you're gone. Okay. And the problem that, that Scott Wagner has is even though he's talked about some issues, he hasn't found something that the voters care about. And so he hasn't found a serious blemish in the Wolf record, mm -hmm. in Governor Wolf's almost four years in his tenure as governor to have the voters say, you're gone, you're history. And that's his biggest problem. He also hasn't raised nearly as much money. Governor Wolf has had about a five to one advantage in fundraising. That's huge. And so as we speak, the last report, Governor uh, Scott Wagner had less than $2 million left in his bankroll. Wow. Now he's wealthy enough to yes. put fibers, you know, to put millions in if he wants to, right. but he doesn't seem to be ready to do that. And Governor Wolf has a, a more than eight million on hand, at least by the last reporting. Bottom line, it's it's just there's a series of perhaps missteps would be one way to put it. Okay. But the failure to by Senator Wagner, former state Senator Wagner. But the bigger problem is he just hasn't found anything that he can use effectively with the voters. 
and that becomes sort of the connection to the voters, would you say? That sort of flaw or... Yeah, I mean, if you want to defeat an incumbent, you have to give the voters a reason. Mm -hmm. Why should I throw you out mm -hmm. of office and put somebody else right. in? And often it's a combination. The incumbent has a flaw which the, which the opposing candidate can utilize. Mm -hmm. And then the opposing candidate has, a, has, his own, has a series of policy and proposal agenda items that yes. are popular. Mm -hmm. But you do need to find some reason that the voters have to have to say, goodbye time. Yeah, time for you to go out. So based on the outcome of the election, which I know you're not predicting, um, what do you, do you have any thoughts on what in public education might remain the same, might change, yeah, what yeah. that looks like? Well, first of all, I think that they're going to continue to be the battle over funding. Okay. Once and the new formula was put into effect, it only, it only applies to new monies. And that's about nine or ten percent of the total budget. So there's going to be a continuing debate about inequitable funding in, in the sense of how it's mm -hmm. distributed. Yeah. Uh, and as long as that takes place, I think there'll be school districts that believe that they're disadvantaged in the process, that they continue to need resources, uh, and that that's going to be probably the number one the n number one issue. The second issue I think that looms large is school safety. And you know, how schools maintain the safety for the personnel who work there and the kids who go to school there remains a serious problem. Uh, in the polls that I've seen, the voters in the state aren't particularly wild about arming teachers and school personnel unless they're security officers that are trained. Yes. And so there is still going to be a big debate about school safety. God forbid we have another horrific incident in a school right. which would ratchet it up that debate, but I think it's still going to be on the minds of lawmakers when they return to Harrisburg for the new session in January. So they're probably the two the two biggest issues I think that the legislature has to deal with kind of equal standing between equity and the sort of safety security topic. Yeah, I would think both of them have mm -hmm. a pretty significant importance. Mm -hmm. Okay. So with respect to the female vote in the upcoming election, what are your thoughts on that? How is that going to impact, make some, right. imp what, are the, what are your impressions that's, that's around that? That's a great that? question. So let's start with the fact that Nationally, we have more women running for state legislative and congressional elections at any time in the history of our country. Right. In our state, we have a record number of women running for the state legislature and for Congress. Currently, less than 20% of the Pennsylvania legislature is made up of females. But we do have a large number of women running. Mm -hmm. And for Congress in the 18 seats, eight women won nominations to run for Congress in the fall, eight are on the ballot, seven of them are Democrats, one are Republican, and at the moment we do not have a single female in the Pennsylvania congressional delegation, and as I said, less than 20% in the Pennsylvania legislature, despite the fact that women, more women vote than men, there are more women than men. Uh, so at the end of the day, we're probably going to have a pretty, a pretty big increase in women in both the legislature and in Congress, uh, wouldn't shock me if we end up in Congress with 
four women being added to the 18-person congressional delegation. So we know that more females vote than males. Is that different now in the last few years than it was 10, 20 years ago? How yeah. has that changed? Well, we had a moment known as the Year of the Woman in 1992 where we had a large number of women run and take, take office, but uh, it wasn't built on significantly. I think now we're undergoing a change that's likely to remain more permanent with more women running. And you have to remember why women are running. There are mm -hmm. two reasons. One are the school shootings. That motivated a lot of women to run. The mm -hmm. second reason was one word, Trump. Mm -hmm. A lot of women mm -hmm. came out to run because of their dislike for President Trump. Mm -hmm. In fact, 185 women ran for the 435 congressional seats in our country. Of the 185, 143 of them are Democrats. So Democrats are leading the way and many of the women are, are progressives, meaning, meaning they're liberal on a whole host of social and cultural issues as well as issues dealing with health care and gun control. Yeah. And I think it's only the beginning of a wave that is likely to continue. So you brought up our current presidential administration. What do you think uh, during his time in office so far has been the biggest success in public education or the biggest hit to it? I don't know that, I don't know that President Trump has primarily focused on education mm -hmm. at all. I mean, he does support vouchers. He does support putting money into the private sector, which the administration has done. But I can't think of a huge issue that somehow predominates the education environment uh, nationally. In our state, there's no doubt that it's been the funding aspect of it that's largely dominated virtually everything with the increased call for education spending by, by e e I mean, remember, the Republicans control the state legislature. So when in June, the legislature passed an almost 3% increase in spending, a, a nice chunk of it for education. It was Republicans as well as Democrats who were fighting right, for it. Sure. So I think that's another change that's taken place. There's more bipartisan support for education spending. Now, that, that is not to predict what will happen next year when we open up a new session of the General Assembly. Yeah, okay. So. I'm going to just kind of throw a phrase out there and let you respond to it. We talked about ed equity a little bit. That was one I wanted to cover. How about the achievement gap? What does that look like in just the political arena? Is it being looked at? Is it just being looked at from a funding standpoint? Well, it seems to me that's something that needs to be seriously studied, analyzed, and then corrective measures taken by the Department of Education if it falls under their purview, school boards if it's the school board's purview, the state legislature, the governor. But I do think that's certainly a significant element that needs to be whole, seriously looked at to try to figure out where the gap is, what can, measures can be taken to mm -hmm. uh, fix the gap, yeah. So that everybody who graduates, the kids who are in our schools, have an equal opportunity to learn and then go on to be successful, depending on where they live. Absolutely. So it shouldn't be that 
if you live in a rural school or a suburban school or, a, or an urban school that somehow, some way, you leave those, that there are areas of the geography, let's say, just for the sake of this argument, in which you're penalized by where you live, that doesn't make any sense at all. So give us just kind of a looking ahead viewpoint in 2019. What are you seeing with just going on in Harrisburg, spending, right. legislature, right. what are you looking at ahead? Well, let's start with the fact that the legislature is likely to remain Republican. Mm -hmm. 119 Republicans in the House out of 203, 34 Republican senators out of 50. At the end of, on November 7, one day after the election, when all the tabulations are done, Democrats will pick up a couple seats in each chamber. They might even pick up more than a couple in the House. But at the end of the day, the legislature is going to remain what it has been, controlled by Republicans, and one of the more conservative legislatures in modern Pennsylvania history. And conversely, we also have a fairly liberal governor. And mm -hmm. they were able to work out, particularly in the fourth budget of Governor Wolf, a compromise. Uh, but make no mistake about it, much of what happens in public education is related to the health of the economy and to the amount of revenues that the state takes in, particularly in the sales and the income tax. But I would throw in the corporate net income tax, but the, the two big taxes are literally dependent on the health of the economy. So if the economy remains strong and collections are up, I think it looks good for public education mm -hmm. over the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's fundamentally about the budget. It's fundamentally about the health of the economy. And remember, when Governor Corbett took over in 2011, we were still in the Great Recession. And mm -hmm. so the battle then over education had to do with finances, had to do with the fiscal health of the Commonwealth. And that was a major, that played a major role in what transpired over Governor Corbett's first year, over his uh, four years. But I don't think, you know, the legislature is going to change and somehow look at education differently than it did in the previous four years. Mm -hmm. There'll be turnover and there's always turnover, but here's what's going on. In the legislature, the Republicans have become more conservative and the Democrats have become more liberal. The Democrats mm. are now the party of urban Pennsylvania. Okay. The Republicans, the party of small town and rural Pennsylvania, and the two battle over the Philadelphia suburbs in particular. Mm. But the suburban, the Democrats have been inching forward in the Philly suburbs, winning not just congressional seats, but mm -hmm. state legislative races as well. Right. Well, it'll be interesting to see what's ahead for us, right? Yeah. And I know we'll hear more from you on that. So, Dr. Madonna, I want to say thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. Thank you for being here with us. My pleasure. Listeners, I encourage you to go to our website at keyedradio.org for more details on today's conversation. This is Annette Gray saying thank you for listening to Keystone Education Radio. The views and opinions expressed on the Keystone Education Radio podcast are solely the views and opinions of our guests and do not reflect the views and opinions of the Pennsylvania School Boards Association. Thank you.